together. our voices church as we sing.
worship you this morning. As we began, we said, bless the Lord, oh my soul, all that is within me. Bless your holy name. And we cry, holy, 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 the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. All over this room, we're here for you, Lord. Our hearts, our minds, our whole bodies, we present to you this morning in worship. For you are worthy, Lord. We love you, Lord. Amen. Uh, at this moment, uh, we know God is here. We know he's with us. We just like to take a moment just to bless each other with the peace of Christ. Uh, it's not just some random thing we say, but we actually love to bless others with the peace of Jesus Christ. And so just take a moment, turn to the person around you and just say the peace of Christ is with you. All right. We're so glad you're here with us this morning. Uh, welcome, especially uh, if you're newer or you're brand new. Uh, we want to welcome you here. Uh, we do just want to uh, mention, oh, I guess I'll go in order. Otherwise, I'll mix everybody up. All right. So we're so glad you're here. My name is Jonathan. I'm one of the pastors here. Um, we want to remind everyone uh, that we are praying every Tuesdays um, at 8 p.m. on Zoom. And so this is an awesome opportunity just to gather together to pray, to, to connect, and to intercede on behalf of our community, on behalf of others. Um, and so we really encourage you, if you're at all free, make time to come out at um, 8 p.m. on Zoom to pray together. Um, small groups uh, started this last week. We're so excited about that. Uh, we're hopeful that you had a good time in your small groups. Um, there are still some spots in some different places. Uh, we encourage you to check out uh, our website to sign up for small groups. If you haven't been able to make it into a small group yet, there is a wait list that helps us to know that you're looking, that you haven't found one, that you what times that you would like to, to make that happen. And if you're out there and you, you've been feeling maybe all summer a little prompting to maybe lead a small group and you're still interested, it is not too late. Uh, you can let me know. I'm, I'm overseeing small groups, and we'd love to be able to launch more small groups throughout the year as we have the people who need it and the people willing to lead them. Uh, and so if you're interested in that, you can always let me know. Next Sunday, uh, uh, after the service for lunch, we're actually going to have a thing called Discovering Our Global Mission. Uh, this is going to be a great opportunity for you just to, to learn about what we as a church are doing to engage in uh, our global mission like overseas, who our partners are, uh, what kind of mission trips are going on, uh, how we do all these kinds of things. So what we're doing even like regularly, every month, different groups that are meeting to support, pray for, connect with our, our missions partners, all this kind of stuff. So if any of that is interesting, you can go ahead and sign up online. Uh, the deadline, I think, is the middle of this coming week, uh, just so that we can make sure we know how much food to get. Uh, but we'd love to see you there. Uh, it's, uh, both sites are invited to this, and if you have any questions, you can always uh, ask me as well. Uh, we also have, on October 7th, uh, is a fruitful parenting panel, um, specifically on the topic of margins. So uh, you can join us um, as we experience what more fruitful parenting is. We will hear from people who have spent time wrestling uh, with this topic themselves and explore what Jesus says about this topic in his word. Topics covered will include how to have healthy margins, what are warning signs to look out for regarding margins, and how to create space in your life and your child's life where there is time and space for God to bear fruit. 
Uh, we'll be meeting at Arlington Community Church at 10 a.m. Uh, coffee and snacks are provided, uh, but there is no child care, uh, just to make that clear. Um, feel free. We really encourage you. Invite friends. Uh, you can sign up online, so especially if you have friends who are also struggling with this. This is an area where margins is difficult for most of us, and I'm excited about this. We're bringing in this great couple uh, who's going to help losing like in their 70s, which I know if you look around for most of our parents, we're like, we're all in the same boat. None of us knows anything more than another person, so wisdom is coming. Um, just throwing that out there. Um, all right, so also on our missions topic, uh, so we mentioned this throughout the summer. We're actually going uh, to Central Asia. We're going to take a team to be with our partners and support what they're doing there and uh, have a chance to connect with their work. Uh, that's happening in March 2nd through uh, the 9th. Uh, but the deadline to apply for that missions trip is going to be October 8th. Uh, so we can actually start meeting as a team. If you're sitting here like, I never heard of what you're talking about. I'm interested. Can I talk? Please just reach out to me. Uh, it seems like I have all the announcements today, but that's okay. Talk to me, uh, and I'd be happy to uh, let you know more about that. Or just show up at our event next week, and you'll find out more about that as well. Uh, if, you are, if you are newer, if you've never been to a welcome lunch before, uh, I know some of you have already signed up. Um, we are welcoming you, especially even if you showed up today this is your first time. We're welcoming you to our welcome lunch. Uh, it's just down the road here. Uh, if you are in there, you should have, if you already got the email, you should have got the address. If you are newer or you missed that for some reason, right after the service, you can look for me. I'll, I'll help you know how to get there. Uh, but this is just something we do regularly. It's a good chance to meet other newcomers and then find out more about like what's going on in our church. And uh, we'd love to see you there. Uh, finally, um, we love our God's Garden uh, ministry, which is really our ministry for our kids from like, zero to fifth grade. Um, and we've had new families come in, and a lot of you keep making babies, so we keep having more kids, more needs. And um, so we're just asking if any of you ha would pray through, hey, is this a ministry that I could serve in? Especially maybe for some of you who are maybe newer or you've been around a while and you're not actually serving in any other capacity. Um, we're just asking, would you pray about this? Uh, we could really use some more with the growth of the number of children means we need more classes, more teachers, more all of that. And so this is a moment in time where um, they could really use a little bit of extra help. Uh, so if that at all sounds like your thing, just pray about that. I, I'm saying pray about it like five times because what we don't need is just somebody who doesn't like kids to go serve with kids. That doesn't work very well. Um, so as you pray about it, as you think about it, uh, we'd love for you to, to help. And if you are interested or want more, more information, please uh, email Erica, uh, who oversees all of that. At this time, we're going to take up our offering. We do not collect a physical offering, but we do do so online uh, as part of our act of worship to the Lord. And we'd just like to take a moment to pray over that and for the rest of our service. Uh, so would you pray with me? Jesus, we thank you and praise you for who you are. We thank you for all the ways that you look after us. We thank you for all the ways that you have provided for us. Uh, we thank you for giving the opportunity to join you in what you're doing, to the privilege to give back to you uh, for your kingdom. We ask as we give back to you that you would be able to take what we give and multiply it beyond what seems usually possible to take care of uh, needs and uh, issues and expand your kingdom. Uh, we do just lift up all the needs in our community, in this church, and even around us. We ask that you would bring even supernatural provision for those who need it in this time. Uh, we ask as we continue our service, Jesus, that you would just meet with us right where we're at. Uh, we ask that you would help us to hear what you have to say to us. Um, God, we don't try to pretend that we don't have other 
things in our minds, uh, distractions, worries, concerns. But this morning, we just come to you as we are. We lay who we are at your feet, and we just say, would you speak to us? Would you help us to hear you well? Would you help us not to harden our hearts? For God, we want to hear from you this morning. We ask that you anoint Pastor Steve as he preaches from your word. We just ask that you would move in our midst. In your name we pray. Amen. morning. All right, good uh, seeing all of you today. Uh, thanks for being here. Uh, it's just good to worship together. Um, we uh, started our sermon series for the fall called uh, Biblical Worldview, and so we're going to look at Genesis chapter 1 through 12 for several weeks to kind of talk about this. And so if you have your Bibles with you or your devices, please turn with me to Genesis chapter 1 uh, once again. Um, we begin with God. Uh, as we think about our worldview, because God is so foundational. If we don't get God right, and if we don't get Genesis 1 and 2 and 3 right, our worldview and our perspective on life will be skewed. It, it's not going to work. It's kind of like um, if you remember the game called Jenga, and I'm not sure if it's so popular, but it's basically you have wooden blocks on top of one another, and and each player is supposed to take a piece from the bottom or somewhere near the bottom and play, place that on the top. And if you're not careful, everything crumbles down, right? And so Genesis chapter 1 through 12, I think, or especially 1 through 3, is sort of the foundation of our worldview. God in Genesis 1 is the, the basic block, the most, most important block in the, in the, in the biblical story. And if you don't have that, or if you ignore God or misunderstand God, then everything crumbles down. And so we are spending a significant time in Genesis chapter 1. We'll look at, we saw that last Sunday, we'll look at it today, and then we'll also talk about it next Sunday, because it is foundational, fundamental to our outlook on life. So let's look at Genesis chapter 1. We're not going to read the whole chapter, but I'm going to read the first few, and then we'll jump down to the last part of Genesis 1. So Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And God said, let there be light, and there was light. And God saw that the light was good, and God separated the light from darkness, God called the light day, and darkness he called night. And there was evening, and there was morning the first day. If you would jump down with me to verse 24. So the Genesis chapter 1, verse 24. And God said, let the earth bring forth living creatures according to their kinds, livestock and creeping things, and beasts of the earth according to their kinds. And it was so, and God made the beasts of the earth according to their kinds, and the livestock according to their kinds, and everything that creeps on the ground according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. Then God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the heavens, and over the livestock, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man. In his own image, in the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. All right, we'll pause there. 
Um, Genesis 1 is significant because that's it's a chapter where we get a glimpse of God pre-creation, right? In Genesis chapter 1, we see who God is like. Now, we don't have a comprehensive uh, statements about God, but there are a few things that are really important for us to, uh, to know. One, last Sunday we talked about how in the beginning was God, right? Before anything existed, before time and space and matter and ideas, anything existed, God was there. God is foundational. He's original. He's at the very beginning of everything. And then second thing that we talked about was this God spoke. He spoke the universe into existence. And we talked about how He's a God who is personal, right? That this God of the universe created the, created the heavens and the earth, and yet He still speaks to us personally. So today, He speaks to us. He's personal God. He speaks but today, what we're going to talk about is we're going to talk about the Trinity, all right? Now, uh, I'm not going to try to explain exactly what that is or try to understand it, but I want to talk about how the Bible uh, helps us to think about Trinity and what that means for us today. And I think it's really significant. So when you look at the Old Testament, look, look with me at, at verse 1. It says here, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And then verse 2, he says, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the earth. So we have, initially in chapter 1, we have God creating the heavens and the earth. And verse 2, we have the Spirit of God who was hovering over the face of the earth. And then jump down to verse 26, it says, this is sixth day. As God is creating the mankind, he says, then, it says, then God said, let us Make man in our image after our likeness. Here God refers to himself in a plural form. So what do you make of that? See, in the Old Testament, Trinity is hinted but not completely revealed. The mystery of Trinity almost, almost comes into view, but, but it doesn't really become clear until the New Testament. Right? So for instance, for example, in several places in the Old Testament, it talks about how God and God's word being identical yet distinct. So things like, verse, uh, places, places like Psalm 33, it says, By the word of the Lord, the heavens were made, and by the breath of, the, of his mouth, all their hosts. Psalm 147, he sends out his word and melts them. Psalm 107, he sent out his word and healed them. And again and again, places where we see God and God's Word being too distinct and yet at the same time be, uh, being identical. What's a little hazy in the Old Testament, we could talk about, I, mean, I could read verses after verses in the Old Testament, but what's hazy in the Old Testament becomes much more clear in the New Testament. So John chapter 1, verse 1, this is how the Gospel of John starts out. Right? In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him. You read down that, read on the chapter uh, 1 of John, the Gospel of John. It says, verse 14 says, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen His glory, uh, glory as the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. Uh, you continue to read on the New Testament, you have places like when Jesus was born, the birth of Jesus. It talks about how Jesus was, Jesus was conceived by the Holy Spirit and became the Son of God. 
right? You have Jesus' baptism where Jesus is getting baptized. You have the Holy Spirit descending upon the sun like a dove. And then a voice from the cloud, heavens, uh, uh, declares, this is my son whom I love. Um, you, you, you have uh, in Matthew chapter 28, when Jesus gives the last commandment to the disciples, mandate to the disciples, he says, go and make disciples and baptize them in the name of the Father, name of the Son, name of the Holy Spirit. And you look at the book of Acts, the message, the gospel message that the apostles pre- preach is very Trinitarian. So uh, for Acts chapter 2. Uh, Verse 38, and Peter said to them, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, for the promise is for you and for your children and, and for all who are far off, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. And then... Many of places when, where the Apostle Paul is writing the epistles and towards the end, he would give a benediction. He would say things like this. This is from 2 Corinthians chapter 13. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. And so what's kind of hazy in Genesis chapter 1, we see the plural form of God. We see God who created the universe. We see the Spirit of God hovering over the, the darkness becomes much more clear in the New Testament. You ha- we have, friends, we have a God who is one in three persons. Now, I'm not going to try to explain what that, what that looks like, what that is. I don't, I, I'm not smart enough to do that, but we have a God who is one in three persons. And so the question that we want to ask ourselves is, okay, what does that, I mean, how does that make any difference at all in our life? So I want to share with you uh, three things, all right? Number one, relationships or community are not optional. We have a God who is one, yet existed in three persons from the very beginning. In other words, relationships are not secondary things. It wasn't an add-on when God created Adam and Eve and told them to love one another, your husband and wife. No, relationships, community started from the very beginning. God himself existed in three persons. So what that means for us is community. We talk about community all the time and relationships all the time. Relationships are not secondary. It's not optional if we're going to live our life. Relationships, Relationships are part of the fabric of reality from the very beginning. It was, it existed. So there is no, and we talk about this all the time, there is no living our Christian life on our own. That's not because we like to be together and we like to see each other. We do that, but this is how we are made as human beings. You cannot live your life on your own. It doesn't work. That's why COVID was so hard for us, right? In isolation, trying to work 24-7 and uh, trying to connect with people, it was, it was, it was hard. And, and we, we know this. But again, this is not because someone told us or this is not because the preachers talk about community all the time or, or Jonathan talks about joining a small group. We're not, we're not doing these things because it's kind of a nice thing to do. No, this is how we are made. We are made in the image of God. One God in three persons. We worship a triune God. It's essential to life. It's essential to our health. 
It's essential to being who we are and, and living the life that God has called us to live. Uh, most of us, or I don't know if most of us, but, but many of us kind of, I think, grew up in a traditional sort of homes, right? And so uh, in the traditional uh, mindset, it's, um, you value community, right? And so uh, people um, would sort of find their identity in uh, one's family or in one's community or even one's, one's nation or, 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 or a village, right? That's sort of traditional model. And in that model, um, the people who are elevated, people who uh, we kind of um, elevated to a high place were people, those people who sacrificed themselves for the whole, for, for the group. So for those of you who, uh, who have parents who've immigrated here from another place or grandparents who immigrated uh, to the States from, from another place, you know how this look, looks like, right? People, uh, your parents, your grandparents said, you know, I sacrificed so much so that you could have a better education, a better life. We've, we've, I've heard this, right? Like they gave up their dreams and their desires so that their community, their families will have a better life. And there's something beautiful about that. But um, there's a downside to that because the downside is um, these traditional uh, worldview would say that you find your identity in, in, in a, a group, in, in a community. And so what we, what some of us might have experienced is this pressure to succeed from your parents or from your family members because their identity is connected to you. Like they, they find their success, their identity in your success. The thing is, no one person can create an identity for someone else, no matter how hard you try. And that's why there's this, there's this, there's this pressure that's unhealthy. Uh, so there's this pros and cons to that. But now our modern culture, um, this is not our problem, right? Our modern culture our Western society, by contrast, values individuals at the expense of community. So we focus, our, uh, we focus on our personal self-expression. Uh, we focus on our personal self, uh, self-actualization, often at the expense of others. Our society says, my ultimate purposes uh, are those that arise within me. And so in our culture today, the people who are heroes of our society are those who go against other people's opinions, and they tell themselves, as long as I'm true to myself and my desires, that's all that matters. And we, we hear this, but here's the problem, right? Uh, it's, it's on the one hand, so if you think about Trinity, on the one hand, we we value um, uniqueness and individuals because you have been created by, a God, by God and you, in some sense, are, are infinite, meaning like, no one can fully know you except for God who created you. Like you in yourself, you're unique, you're beautiful. You, that's what the Bible tells us. Or you are wonderfully created. You have value. But that's only half of the story. In order for you to find your true self, true identity, your purpose in life, it has to be done in a relation, in a relational setting, in community. That's what it means to 
be, be uh, people who are made in the image of God. That's what Christianity holds on to. We value individuals. They're uniquely made. That's what Scripture tells us. And yet, on their own, they're not, full, they're not complete. They have to be part of a community where they can find who they are. So we put those things together, and that's what it means to be made in the image of the triune God. We are valued, you're uniquely made, and yet you, in order for you to fully live out your destiny, your purpose, it has to be done in a group setting, in relationships. So again, number one, relationships are not uh, optional. It's, it's uh, part of the fabric of how God's made us. It's who we are. Number one. Then number two, think about relationship. Number two, then love is at the center. So then we could ask ourselves, what kind of, if the triune God existed in community, existed in relationship from the very beginning, what kind of relationship did they have? Uh, was it simple relationship or complex? Was it uh, intimate relationship or distant? If you look at the, Bi- if you look at the Bible, the verses that talk, that talk about relationship between Father and Son, the Holy Spirit, it simply says love. It's defined by how they loved one another. Now, they would use different languages to do that, but, but at the end, it's love. How the Father related to the Son, and the Son related to the Father, and the Spirit is defined by love. I mean, the Bible simply says, God is love. What that means is love is at the center of the universe. God is love. Not that God is loving. Not that not only God is one example of love. No, the Bible says God is love. That means in our relationships, in our being at the core, what we long for, what we, what we were made for is love because we are made in the image of God. And human beings, all of us intuitively know this, right? Think about how many books and movies and songs uh, have been written about love. Um, I was just doing quick research on Taylor Swift. I don't know anything about her. Not really. I, well, I do, but um, I didn't know. But like, you know, many of her songs are about love and relationships and breakups and like, you know, hating one another and making up and things like forgiveness, things like that. But I didn't know that some of her songs, most of her songs, like her top-selling songs, have been downloaded close to billion times. Like, billion times. Think about that. Billion times. Again, the, the point is, we, this is what we are made for. At the, at the core of who we are, we're made for love because that's who God is. We're made in the image of this triune God, and that's what we are made for. That's what we long for. We are made for uh, love. First John 4, 9 says this. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we love God, but he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Now, this is just one verse, but when you look at scripture and think, look at God, how God loves us and how God loves, there's a particular contour. God always gives. He doesn't, he doesn't um, get, or he doesn't, he doesn't ask to receive. The, he gives. He gives his son. He 
gives himself. He doesn't look at people and loves them because they're so lovable. No, the book of Romans tells us that while we were unlovable, right, while we were still sinners, God loved us. The contour of God's love is that he gives things away. He gives himself. He gives his son. And then first, uh, John chapter 4, first John chapter 4 goes on to say this. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us, and His love is made complete in us. This is our core duty as image bearers of God. We are called to love one another. We live in a world that's uh, broken and shattered by our differences. Differences in our race, our cultural background, our family of origin, our personality, our politics, even in our, in our theology. In, the world, in this world, differences can cause not only division, but at times, uh, hatred and violence. And we see this in the news all the time. The triune God that we worship the God that we follow. Trinity provides a model where uh, that marries our distinctiveness, our uniqueness, because that's how God's created us, and love. Uh, three persons in God uh, is distinct yet existed in love, and that's our model. That's how we are made. That What that means then is when we see people who are different than us, we can celebrate them because they reflect part of who God is. When we see people who are, uh, have different personality or, I don't know, different background, we don't have to shun them or we don't have to be uh, hostile toward, toward them. No, we can actually embrace them and welcome them in because that's how we are made. We follow a triune God. And so, friends... Here at Great Commission Community Church, that means we get to practice this, practice this every Sunday, don't we? As we worship together, especially as we worship this triune God, we have the opportunity to welcome others, especially those who might be different than us. It's a way for us to express how we are made and who we are before God. Now, of course, there's sin and that causes our hearts to shrink back, and that causes our hearts to be in fear. And we'll talk about that in Genesis chapter 3 when we talk about sin. But the point is we're fundamentally made in the image of the triune God who existed in three persons and yet loved one another. That's who we are. That's how we are made. At the core, that's, like, that's what we're striving after. Again, we need God's grace, we need the Holy Spirit, we need God's Word to do that, but that's who we are because we are made in the image of the triune God. And lastly, number three, um, then we are then invited into this loving relationship that God has with one another. Um, at the very center of the universe is this divine love, right? Got the Father, got the Son, got the Holy Spirit. They, they've been glorifying one another. Uh, so think about, like, what, what, does that, what does that mean when God the Father loved the Son, God the Son loved the Father, and 
the Holy Spirit. How, how does that look like? What, what does that mean? So graphically, this is something that uh, old theologians talk about. So graphically, think about, think, about, think about it like this. If you are self-centered person, right, uh, your relationship with other people are um, kind of static, meaning you're at the center and you ask the other, other person or other people to revolve around you. In a sense, that's what being self-centered is, that you're at the center, so you say, this is my time. This is uh, my agenda. This is what I want, and I want you or people to revolve around me. Uh, I, I, or we could say, I demand that you revolve around me. So in, in that way, that's like graphically, maybe that's what we can think about when we think about being self-centered. But God, the triune God is other-centered within the triune head, right? God, is, God the Father is loving the Son. The Son is loving the Father, and the Holy Spirit is loving the Son. They are glorifying one another, and what that means then is, visually, they are orbiting around one another, right? So the, the God, the Son, is orbiting around the Father, and the Father is orbiting around the Son. The Spirit is orbiting around the Son. So you can kind of see this dynamic, this rhythm that's taking place. So uh, the leaders of the Greek church, um, the ancient Greek church, had a word for this. They called it perichoresis, and you could hear the English word choreography in it. And so what they meant was literally it means to dance or flow around. So they thought the triune God as God the Father floating and dancing around the Son, and the Son dancing around the Father, and the Spirit dancing around the Son, and the Father. They called it this, this uh, chore- uh, sorry, perichoresis. So, I mean, that's the, that's the word that they used. That's the picture that they had. And so many of the theologians kind of t- took that and kind of talked about it on their own terms. Uh, this is what C.S. Lewis says about this, right? He says, in Christianity, God is not an impersonal thing nor a static thing, not even just one person, but a dynamic, pulsating activity, activity, a life, a kind of drama, a kind of dance. The pattern of this three-personal life is the great fountain of energy and beauty spurting up at the very center of reality. Um, this is the triune God loving one another. Uh, C.S. Lewis, I think, called it the, the, the dance of God. Um, and here's, here's the gospel message then, right? Is that this divine God, the triune God, has invited you to participate in this divine dance. Uh, when uh, my daughter was young, I think she was maybe like six or seven, we used to dance together. Um, we had these, like this routine. Uh, some of them are goofy. I'm not, I won't do it. I, you know, I, uh, I'm kind of tempted. But I remember like, I would like spin her around somehow, and then I would like, have her like, between my legs and pull up, and then I, th- I, I would throw her up and catch her. We had this routine. And here's what I remember. Um, it's hard to be mad when you're dancing. It's like hard, there's no other emotion than like joy and like being glad and, and happy. Uh, one theologian said this. He said that maybe this is why the triune God is the most happy uh, person in the world, but that in, in his soul, in his heart, there is joy and delight because they are glorifying one another. So in some sense, we could say the gospel is that 
God has invited you to be part of this pulsating life of God, this divine dance of God. The time that Jesus spoke most about the Trinity, talked about the Father and the Spirit, is his, during his last prayer right before the crucifixion. In Gospel of John, chapters 13 through 17, that's when Jesus talks about the Spirit and the Father. And I want to read the last prayer that he says here. This is what he says. This is Jesus' prayer to the Father about you. He says, Father, the glory that you have given me, I have given to them, that they may be one even as we are one. I in them and you in me, that they may become perfectly one, so that the world may know that you sent me and loved them even as you loved me. Father, I desire that they also whom you have given me may be with me where I am to see my glory that you have given me because you loved me before the foundation of the world. O righteous Father, even though the world does not know you, I know you, and these know that, that you have sent me. I made known to them your name, and I will continue to make it known that the love with which you have loved me may be in them and I in them. This is what Jesus is praying for. Jesus is praying that we, you and I, in Him would experience this divine love that the Father has for the Son, and the Son has for the Father, and the Spirit has for the Son. The prayer is that God, Jesus is inviting you to experience this divine love that existed from the very beginning. We are invited to be part of that. And Jesus uh, made this prayer right before the crucifixion because through the cross, He would make that possible, that He would cleanse our sin, that He would make us righteous so that we might begin to experience this, this love of the triune God. Uh, that's what we are made for, and the door has been opened so that we can enter in. All right, friends, let's uh, reflect, we'll pray, and then uh, we'll take communion together. I want to give us a moment to pray, and uh, and then we'll sing a song as a response, and then we'll have communion, and then we'll have uh, corporate prayer, and then we'll have communion. So I want to give us a moment to, to pray, and um, and we we talk about this often, don't we? And not just at our, at our church, but just churches that you go to, or maybe you've sensed this that uh, you are made for relationships. You are uniquely made, yes. You are wonderfully and beautifully, beautifully made, yes. The image of God is in you. You're distinct and unique. You're in some sense infinite. No one can fully, completely know you. And we celebrate that and, and we say amen to that. But at the same time, in order for us to fully live out life, and experience all that God has for us is done in relationships because we are made in the image of the triune God. So we celebrate both, right? We celebrate the uniqueness, the individuality of who we are. And at the same time, we celebrate the communal aspect of our life with one another, whether that's family life or friendships or church community, whatever it might be. We need other people. And the amazing thing is, um, above all, the God, the love of God that existed before the creation, 
the, the love of God that's foundational to everything that we know and, and experience, God has invited us to be part of that. Like we're invited to know the love of God, love of, love of, the, fa- love of the Father that He has for the Son. And so let's just rest in that for a moment. And then we'll respond uh, by singing uh, together. we're praying, I'm going to sing this song over you, and whenever you feel love burning, thinking about God's greatness. From the darkness, I called your name, into darkness, your mercy came, you called me up, lifted me up, how great is your love, from the darkness, from the darkness, I called your name, into Thank you. 
This is from 1 John. This is how we know what love is. Jesus laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. And this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. God invites us to receive and give and experience his love together. We will keep praying together. And as we do that, I'll end each part by saying, Jesus laid down his life for us. When I do, please say, let us also love one another. Jesus laid down his life for us. Father, we thank you for revealing yourself to us through Jesus 2,000 years ago and by the Holy Spirit today. The love and fellowship you share is beautiful. It's amazing that you bring us together into love and fellowship with you and with each other. Truly we love because you first loved us. Jesus laid down his life for us. And this is how you showed your love for us, and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Thank you for your Holy Spirit, whom you have sent to indwell us, by whom we cry, Abba, Father, and who bears witness with our spirit that we are your children. Abba, Father, we are so thankful to be called yours. Jesus laid down his life for us. Abba, Father, it's through your Holy Spirit that we are united to Christ and in fellowship with one another in your family. We pray, as Jesus did for us, that we would be one. May we become perfectly one so that the world may know that you sent Jesus to the world and that you love us even as you loved your son, Jesus. Jesus laid down his life for us. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Draw all people from different communities, nations, and societies to yourself. We pray for those who are suffering from the recent calamities in Libya, Morocco, and Maui, that you would extend mercy, comfort, and relief to all those in need. May your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Jesus laid down his life for us. Among us, Lord, are those who are hurting and anxious. God, you see us and know our every thought and our every need. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our debts and help us also to forgive our debtors. Remind us that we can come to you always, for you are near to the brokenhearted. You do not despise a broken and contrite spirit. Jesus laid down his life for us. We love you, God. Who is like you, so one with such harmony and unity and love? There is none like you. We delight in your being and in who you are. Amen. Um, each Sunday, we get to come to the table. Uh, and today, we could think about, this is an invitation for us. Um, you know, I think a lot of times we... Uh, Think about God's love for us um, as Father loving me. But I think more a biblical way to think about it is we are invited into God's love for the Son. And that love is 
it's not dependent on us. It's not, it doesn't depend on how we feel that particular day. It's eternal. It's everlasting. It was what was at the very beginning. It is the most powerful force, the love of God between the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And we're invited to that. And so as we come to the table, let's remember uh, this invitation and come and ask God today to allow us to experience this divine love the Father had for the Son. That's the invitation. So if you are a believer of Jesus, follower of Jesus, you're invited to take uh, the cup as you remember Jesus' death for you. If you're not a follower of Jesus yet, we're so glad you're here with us. You can take this time to pray and meditate on what you heard. Um, let me go ahead and present the element to us. On the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took bread and he broke it. And he said, this is my body broken for you. Eat this in remembrance of me. In the same way he took the cup. And he said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Drink from it for the forgiveness of your sins. We're going to say the Apostles' Creed together. And, when, and then whenever you're ready, please come and, and take the elements. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. And in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day, he rose again from the dead. He ascended to the heaven and is seated at the right hand of God, the Father Almighty. From there, he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the holy Christian church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. So let's respond by coming to the table. We'll sing together. And if you want to receive prayer or just pray with someone, we'll have uh, some of our leaders up here. Please come up and yeah, pray with us. So let's respond together at this time. Precious Redeemer and Friend, who would have thought that a lamb could rescue the souls of men? Oh, you rescue the souls of men. You
Let's, uh, I want to give us a moment to uh, perhaps in the quietness of our hearts, uh, you could declare that, God, you are great. You were, you are, and you will always be. Let's just rest in His greatness for a moment, and then I'll pray for us as we close. God, we, uh, we confess oftentimes our view of you is so small and our view of the world is big. <laughs> Lord, we pray that you would flip that around and that you would help us to see your greatness. But not just in power, but your greatness in your love and compassion for your people. That we would see all of life, this universe, what we're going through, what we're thinking about through the lens of who you are and your great love for us. Your love for us, not that's, that's not dependent on how good we've been or who we are or how smart or successful we've been. No, the love that's founded on the love of God, the Father for the Son. But thank you for inviting us to experience and know this weekly and daily so we stand in awe of you and who you are. Lord, as we even go forth now, we pray that you send us forth into this world as your people, as your sons and as your daughters, who's known by you and who wants to love others whom you placed in our lives. Now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of our Heavenly Father and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be upon you both now and forevermore. Amen. Amen. Uh, thanks so much for coming today. Have a great week, and we will see you next Sunday. Thanks.